0: Good evening. Snow slams the East Coast, throwing life into disarray as the government struggles with vaccine inequity. A nine-year-old girl in handcuffs is pepper sprayed by cops in Rochester. And the rise of neo-Nazis in America and worldwide. Is education the answer? With these and other stories, I'm Paul Durienzo with the WBAI News from Monday, February 1st. 2021 a sprawling lumbering winter storm walloped the eastern united states on monday shutting down coronavirus vaccination sites closing schools and halting transit as snow piled up from the appalachians to new england with the heaviest accumulations yet to come in many places in new york city mayor bill de
1: blasio signed executive orders telling folks to stay home Blizzard conditions. Stay off the road. Stay off the streets and sidewalks. Stay inside. If there's any way you can avoid traveling, avoid traveling today. Let me tell you why I say blizzard conditions, because at the most intense points, you're going to see two to four inches of snow per hour. That is extremely intense snow. That's blinding snow. You do not want to be out in that if there's any way you can avoid it. So please, everyone heed this message. We're expecting somewhere between 16 inches and 22 inches of snow before this storm is over. That's what the National Weather Service is saying. And as Mayor de Blasio, by
0: early afternoon, 13.3 inches of snow had fallen in Central Park, about 12 inches at Newark Airport, 10 inches at LaGuardia, and about 9 inches in Queens and western Long Island. Upstate locations will see bone-chilling temperatures well below zero, especially with the wind chill. New York City will see something of the opposite. Seasonal temperatures may send the city into its fifth state of matter, the slush pile. As temperatures hit the low 40s by Thursday with a chance of rain, Remember your galoshes. And President Biden released a statement saying he'd be looking at reimposing sanctions on Myanmar, also known as Burma, lifted after the country's partial return to democracy during the Obama administration. Biden released a statement saying he would be looking at reimposing sanctions on the country. Uh, after Monday's coup in the South Asian nation was announced on television as police vehicles rolled through the capital of Yangon, the announcement said Commander-in-Chief Senior General Min Ong Hlaing would be in charge of the country for one year, adding the seizure was necessary because the government had enacted on the military's claim of fraud in November's elections. The embarrassingly poor showing of the military-backed party in the November vote may have been the spark. It was a dramatic backslide for Myanmar, which was emerging from decades of strict military rule and international isolation that began in 1962. Meanwhile, President Biden and a group of 10 Senate Republicans have offered competing proposals to help the United States respond to the coronavirus pandemic and provide economic relief to businesses and families. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki described the meeting as an exchange of ideas.
2: As historic evidence that it is possible to take a number of paths, including through reconciliation if that's the path that is pursued, and for the vote to be bipartisan. But it's important to him that he hears this group out on their concerns, on their ideas. He's always open to making this package stronger, and he also, as was noted in our statement last night, remains in close touch with Speaker Pelosi, with Leader Schumer, and he will continue that engagement throughout the day and in the days ahead.
0: Biden's plan calls for an additional $1.9 trillion in federal spending. The 10 GOP senators are calling for about $618 billion in federal spending. The aid would come on top of the $900 billion coronavirus package that Congress passed in December and the $2.2 trillion package passed in March. Biden's plan includes a gradual increase in the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. The plan from GOP senators doesn't address the federal minimum wage at all, which now stands at $7.25 an hour. And a little more than a third of nursing home workers have been getting COVID-19 vaccines when the shots were first offered. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention looked at more than 11,000 nursing homes and skilled nursing facilities that had at least one vaccination clinic between the middle of December and the middle of January. The researchers found that while 78 percent of the residents got at least one shot, only 37 and a half percent of staff members did. In related news, more data is emerging, showing major racial disparities in who's receiving the vaccinations. In New York City, just 11 percent of shots so far went to black people who represent 24 percent of the population and 15 percent went to Latinx people who make up 29 percent of the city's population. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, the number of Latinx patients dying daily from COVID-19 has shot up by over 1000 percent since november in other news from la dodger stadium's covid 19 vaccination center one of the largest vaccination sites in the country was forced to shut down briefly saturday after anti-vaccination and far-right protesters blocked its entrance white house press secretary jen saki
2: the racial disparities in the impact of this pandemic are not lost on the president. And that's one of the reasons he asked Dr. Marcella Nunez Smith, who was of course part of the briefing this morning, to lead this task force um, and why he campaigned on the need for response rooted in addressing the disproportionate impact on communities of color. Uh, there are a couple of steps that we are taking substantively. Um, one includes standing up and supporting additional venues for vaccinations targeted at reaching those at the highest risk and the communities hardest hit by this pandemic. So So going into communities and meeting people where they are and not expecting um, every community to go out and seek and search uh, where they can find the vaccine, meeting with states to discuss their plans for ensuring equitable vaccine distribution and offering assistance in achieving that goal. So as you all know, and we've talked about in here, governors are obviously overseeing the distribution and efforts to ensure that the vaccine is getting into communities across the country. We are closely engaged with them and looking for ways to help assist in that front and think uh, strategically and creatively about how to do that.
0: And that's White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Some of the disparity in distributing the vaccine is being tied to what is being called vaccine hesitancy. America's long history of racism has included using people of color as guinea pigs for unproven treatments or unethical treatments. Among the most horrendous, the Tuskegee study where black people were infected with syphilis by doctors and allowed to contract the disease. And in another example of systemic racist policing in the city of Rochester, New York, rage is growing after a police body camera footage was released showing a handcuffed nine-year-old girl being pepper sprayed in the eyes. That happened last Friday. This clip is disturbing. Come on. I oh, going to
2: stand, when I don't want to sit back. No. Then sit. Sit back. Come on. This is your last right chance. Right Otherwise, pepper spray is going in your eyeballs. Come on, let's go. No, just keep me safe my life. I want my
1: dad. I want my dad. I'm gonna go get him. Now sit back. I will fix it. I will
3: okay. fix it. Dear, why okay. just stop for a second and please take a no. deep breath. Hey, please, no. just stop.
2: I will get your dad.
1: <laughs> oh, you said that you were going to peppers, baby. No, please, no, stop. Sit back. Oh, I got a bad one. Just prayer. I I have just prayer at this floor.
4: point. Stop.
3: I got her, I got her.
0: The child was later taken to Rochester General Hospital under the state's mental hygiene law, and after being treated, she was released to her family. At a Sunday press conference, Rochester Mayor Lovely Warren said she was very concerned about how the young girl was handled by police. The president of the Rochester Police Locust Club, the union representing uniformed officers, asked for patients in this incident later on Sunday. Some officers involved in the incident on Friday that resulted in the nine-year-old girl being pepper sprayed in the face have been suspended. In a statement, Attorney General Letitia James said, quote, what happened in Rochester on Friday is deeply disturbing and wholly unacceptable. Such use of force and pepper spray should never be deployed against a child, period. My office is looking into what transpired and how a child was ever subjected to such danger. It's clear that drastic reform is needed at the Rochester Police Department to ensure that mental health professionals and child advocates are actually responding to people in need and when minors are involved and that this type of behavior Never occurs again. And one of President Joe Biden's recent actions undoing the Trump administration's mark on the government was to suspend the implementation of what was called the 1776 Commission, which provided a right wing curriculum for teaching American history. It was directly aimed at a New York Times sponsored curriculum called the 1619 Project. The debate was simple. Does American history stand for freedom or slavery? Alan Singer, a New York educator, authored the blog post trump's seventeen seventy six Commission report is a fairy tale propaganda on the daily costs.
1: Trump attack on the sixteen nineteen date is really not an attack on the sixteen nineteen date. It's an attack on the idea that the United States has this long tradition of racism and exploitation of people, dating back to slavery. But continuing with the genocidal treatment of Native Americans, the mistreatment of immigrant groups when they're arriving, and then with Jim Crow and Ku Klux Klan terrorism after the Civil War. This is a battle not about dates, but about how we conceptualize and understand the United States. But it was also a counterattack against Black Lives Matter's
0: movement. What's wrong with 1776, July 4th, 1776? We
1: celebrate it with hot dogs and beer every year. Exactly. What's wrong with it? Well, first of all, it's a symbolic date because the revolution actually begins in April 1775. The declaration was approved on July 2nd. The government is not actually constituted to 1789 in March. What has happened is July 4th, over time, has emerged as a symbolic date. But historically, you could pick a lot of other dates. In 1852, Frederick Douglass was invited to be the speaker at the July 4th celebration in Rochester. And Douglass argued that this celebration reveals the hypocrisy of a nation that claims to be born in freedom, yet enslaves four million people. Douglass' statement actually holds true today. We have a nation that claims to be committed to equality that treats 25% of its population, its black and Latino population as second-class citizens. Really what we're looking at is a battle of, what were the factors that shaped America's past, but also what are the factors that shape America today? And how do we address these factors moving along?
0: What do you see as the way to go forward? Do you think the 1619 idea was a better way to teach history? And how could we change the way we teach history so that people uh, won't uh, repeat it so blatantly?
1: I wish teaching it the right way was going to transform America, but I, I don't have that belief. I would like to see debate in school over what has been the role of race and racism in American society. Trump by attacking 1619 gave it a lot more visibility than it would have had otherwise. I'm not suggesting that the schools all say, you know, American history is based on racism in sixteen starting in 1619, or that American history is based on freedom starting in 1776. But what we want our students to do is to examine those two positions. The key is not which one they, a high school kid or an elementary school kid decides is correct. The key is they begin to critically examine the nature of American history so that they could be better participants in the democratic society today.
0: Alan Singer is a New York educator. He's authored the blog post, Trump's 1776 Commission Report is fairy tale propaganda on the daily costs. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In the week since January 6th, an array of extremist groups have been named as participants in the Capitol invasion. The Proud Boys, QAnon believers, white nationalists, the Oath Keepers. But a group called the Boogaloo Boys are notable for the depth of their commitment to the overthrow of the United States government and the jaw-dropping criminal histories of many of its members. The Boogaloo Boys are connected to an international network of neo-Nazis, Heidi Beirich heads the Southern Poverty Law Center's intelligence project. She's been following the group.
3: White supremacy has become literally a transnational phenomenon. Some of the scariest neo-Nazi groups that are out there, like the Atomwaffen Division, which means atomic weapons in German, or the base, which is another Nazi group that's the translation for Al Qaeda. They have chapters across the Western world. So although they might have headquarters or main chapters in the United States, they are linked to groups in europe in canada and so on and these are groups that have a track record of being involved in domestic terrorism and murder so it's a very serious situation
0: are they the same as uh, 1930s
3: nazis Uh, where do they get their ideas from these neo-nazi groups are what are called accelerationists and they are hitler lovers they believe that They need to use terrorism to bring down full system collapse in democratic societies. So they're very scary. Now, some of the groups that were at the Capitol on January 6th do have non-white members, which is an interesting and different phenomenon where we've seen a bit of radicalization of people who you wouldn't expect to be storming the Capitol alongside hardcore white supremacists and neo-Nazis. But there they are, and their politics are either very anti-government, or they could be anti-immigrant in some way, anti-Muslim. So we're getting a bit of a mix nowadays among hardcore groups.
0: What are accelerationists, what do they believe?
3: They literally want to bring down the entire system through the use of violence. They're very, very clear that mass attacks, terrorism... Those kinds of things are what are needed to destroy democracies across the West. And some of these groups have already been banned in other countries like the United Kingdom and Canada, but they're also active here in the United States. Sounds
0: like Charlie Manson. Didn't he go out and think that by doing his crazy th- murders, he would accelerate a some sort of civil war between white and black?
3: Some of these groups literally worship him. And yes, the ideas come directly from Charlie Manson, so they'll worship Hitler and Manson and other Nazi figures all at the same time. But Manson's a favorite.
0: I've heard references to Steve Bannon going back and forth and meeting with these people in Europe. Is that real? Steve Bannon and Donald Trump and how do they relate to these things?
3: Bannon has been doing a tour in Europe with far right figures, often very extreme right Catholics. He's been real friendly with the regime of Viktor Orban in Hungary, which is wildly anti-immigrant the Polish government as well, which is known for its uh, anti-Semitism and anti-LGBTQ beliefs. And Donald Trump supported these same governments as well. So yeah, Bannon is another player who is trying to stitch together extreme right parties, far right populist parties into something bigger, some kind of a political movement. That's another problem, just rising right-wing populism across Europe and to some extent here in the United States, when you look at the vote share that Trump got in the last election
0: these boogaloo boys they were at january 6 they were all over the place is this a threat of actual insurrection beyond the violent attempts that occurred at the u.s capitol
3: so far the fbi affidavits allege planning on the part of members of the oath keepers which is a militia group on the part of the proud boys which is an anti-immigrant misogynistic group and look the boogaloo boys members of that group and sympathizers have been responsible for killing two cops in the last year and a whole lot of other violence and they were at the capitol and so they are just one more problematic group that's been involved in this attempted insurrection
0: you used to think of the right in america as associated with extreme law and order and talking about rioters and protesters as violating law and order rules whatever they are now you're telling me they are killing cops
3: Cops died as a result of what happened at the Capitol. The Boogaloo Boys, two members, killed two cops in California back in late April, early May. Yeah, it doesn't really seem to square up with the traditional conservative position in favor of police, does it?
0: They're afraid of this accelerationism thing. That They're afraid of being taken over by a non-white population
3: to that extent. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what's driving all of this is fear of demographic change, which is going to lead to the white population shrinking vis-a-vis people of color, which is inevitable. And the fact that it's inevitable is what worries me the most about these groups, because as they get more freaked out about that change inching closer and closer, well, it's probably going to be violence that they use to try to change the dynamic. What
0: about Congress and President Biden, the plans they've come up with new legislation? Is that what we need?
3: We need a lot of new legislation to defeat this threat. We need the armed forces to ban extremists. There's got to be an entire new agenda that the Biden administration sets out to defeat white supremacy, as Biden said he was going to do during his inaugural speech.
0: Why the resistance to doing that? And why does it always seem to turn to attacking leftist, anti-racist protesters in the end who wind up being the victims of COINTELPRO and things like that?
3: I hope to God this time around we there isn't going to be a shying away of this problem of white supremacy, which has happened in most other administrations, especially in the post 9-11 level and error. You know, the Trump administration focused itself on Antifa tried to at one point Trump said he was going to you know, claim it was a domestic terrorist organization, which can't even do under American law. I'm hoping now that there'll be a realization that it's not Antifa that we all have to worry about at night. It's white supremacies. It's neo-Nazis. It's anti-government groups. That's the threat. And if the Capitol didn't show you that, if you didn't pick that up, then I just don't know what to say.
0: And that is Heidi Byrick. She is uh, from the Southern Poverty Law Center's Intelligence Project. She heads it up. And on an In an article on their website today, the news organization ProPublica says that the U.S. military is worried about the Boogaloo Boys providing military training to civilians. Last year, the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, the law enforcement agency that investigates felony level crimes involving sailors and members of the Marine Corps, circulated an intelligence bulletin called a threat awareness message. The bulletin detailed the arrests of a former Marine who was a member of the Boogaloo Boys and was caught with an arsenal of weapons and other men in Las Vegas and noted the Boogaloo followers have engaged in discussions about recruiting military or former military members for their perceived knowledge of combat training. And last Wednesday was Holocaust Remembrance Day, the anniversary of the Soviet Army liberating Auschwitz. But writer Lev Golinkin just penned a piece, How Many Monuments Honor Fascists? nazis and murderers of jews you'll be shocked it's published in the forward and it's about a project he's launching called the nazi monument project go lincoln writes about how monuments to these nazis are popping up throughout eastern europe and the connections between these groups and other rightists in the united states of america including the former president and his advisor steve bannon
4: these monuments are to nazi collaborators which are people that gave military aid to the nazis or participated or enabled the holocaust these monuments are all over the world we've documented 320 of them although that's not even a complete list the vast majority of these monuments have been put up over the past 20 years this is not the case where They were put up to these people before they became perpetrators, something like that. This is clearly a form of Holocaust distortion. It is whitewashing people who participate in the Holocaust as victims and as heroes. It is raising an entire generation of people to admire and worship the butchers of Jews and other ethnicities. Wherever you see these things, just as you saw the march in Charlottesville, the Charlottesville march is nothing compared to the marches they have in Europe, where these people gather around these monuments to Nazi collaborators to inspire each other. They use it to organize. They use it to network in transnational white supremacy. Who are some of these people that these statues, the more notable of them? Hungary has a lot to Miklas Horthy. He was the dictator of Hungary, whose government deported over 400,000 Jews. He was an ally of Hitler. Romania has streets named for Ion Antonescu, who is the Romanian dictator, whose government killed over 400,000 Jews. Ukraine has it to these two nationalist paramilitaries who collaborated with the Nazis at some points. And at other points, they just committed ethnic cleansing of Poles and killed Jews on their own volition. Ukraine is building them at an incredible rate. These monuments are coming up nearly, at least every month, often more than once a month. Ukraine is also honoring a Waffen-SS unit. There are monuments to the Waffen-SS in the Baltics as well. The Waffen-SS was the military wing of the Nazi party. It is what carried out the Holocaust. They ran the concentration camps, and this is actual divisions of the Waffen-SS being put up in Europe, by
0: our EU-NATO partners. How realistic is it to find out that the leaders of countries that sort of supported these people, unfortunately, at what point is it realistic?
4: It would be the equivalent of building a monument today of Robert E. Lee saving slaves. They build monuments to Nazi collaborators, to genocide participants, and they call them heroes and freedom fighters. And these monuments, they're being put up right now. So this is not history. This is a purposeful revision of history. This is a lot different than putting things in context. This is putting things out of context. This is taking people who were at best in a complicated and horrible situation at, ve- at best and saying that they were just blameless freedom fighters and victims. It is a perversion of the Holocaust. While their victims lie in unmarked pit throughout Eastern Europe, these people are getting statues that are designed to ignore their horrible crimes.
0: White supremacists, transnational fascist movements, you mentioned that. What is that all about? Increasingly,
4: neo-Nazis or white supremacists around the world, they see themselves as part of a global war, a global race war, a war to avoid what they see as the extinction of the white race. So what they do is they largely use commemoration of World War II fascists as organizing grounds. Wherever you see these commemorations, you also see groups of fascists around Europe uniting, looking at themselves as soldiers in a battle to save the white race. And that is extraordinarily concerning, but we need to start looking at white supremacy as a transnational phenomenon not just lone wolves and nutjobs.
0: Writer Lev Golinkin, his article in The Forward documents with a map 320 monuments and street names in 16 countries on three continents, which represent men and organizations who've enabled and often quite literally implemented the final solution. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the news for Monday, February 1st, 2021. The news is produced by Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson from New York City for the WBAI News. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Stay warm. Stay safe. Thanks for listening.